Hello and welcome to the Loadspace podcast powered by Vanarama. As ever, it's me, Vanarama's Tom Roberts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Grant Bradley from Motorama.com. Hello there, Tom. Hello, Grant. How are you doing? Very well. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. I've got to say, just before, I'll cover off a bit of admin. The Voxel Combo podcast that we recorded has done quite well. Well, I mean, obviously, because we, we did a great job on it. Absolutely. It was our opinions about uh, the good things about a van. Yeah. It was uh, our, the things that five things that we would give a big thumbs up to. And we spoke about those things very eloquently. I thought. Well, I think I think it, it's definitely one of those things that uh, had a lot of information in there. We had to we had to pick five things out of everything that was available to us. So uh, yeah, if you haven't heard it yet, go and have a listen. Absolutely, and you can listen to that on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify at the moment. Anyway, we did the Voxel Combo, a very good small van, one of the PSA Group's three small vans available right now, and that got me to thinking: there's small vans everywhere. There's so many of them. There's a massive choice. And that choice is about to get even bigger by the addition. And this is what prompted me to actually do this uh, podcast with you about small vans. Nissan have just announced that the NV250 or 250 compact van, a Renault Kangoo-based replacement for the MV200, will be on sale from September. So yeah, I was looking on Commercial Fleet. Uh, they, they deserve the credit for um, for being the place where I found this. The new NV250 compact van is going to go on sale in September. It's going to feature a Euro 60 temp compliant uh, 1.5 litre diesel engine, although it seems 1.5 litre diesel engines are in everything beyond yeah. Fords at the moment. Nissan has actually not confirmed if the MV250 will be offered with an electric motor, but with the e NV200 on the market, you would kind of think, well, there's not really much point at this well, stage. Well, maybe at some point they're just going to transplant that motor into the 250 and just call it the E250. I mean, we don't know. Exactly. We don't work for Nissan. We don't work for Nissan. We're not going to try and read their collective minds. The panel version is going to be offered in two body lengths, an L1 and L2, and in two or three seat configs, while the single length crew version is going to come with a maximum of four seats and multi-positional bulkhead, which is actually quite an interesting move. So you can switch it backwards and forwards, dependent on what you've got. You might want to partition your load, and actually having a movable bulkhead is quite a nice That's uh, good flexibility. Solution. Good uh, flexibility. Very good flexibility. Uh, the largest version, and this is what absolutely bowled me over, 4.6 cubic meter load space with a cargo length of up to 2.87 meters that's nearly market leading isn't it i mean that's huge that's That's really long i would imagine that you gain that extra bit of length from dropping down one of the seats it'll be a a through load definitely absolutely so if i just scroll down to those details on the l2 yeah so the cargo length with the yeah so it's got two cargo lengths here on the l2 2.1 meters and 2.87 so yeah there's a definite seat being dropped down there but the cargo width is 1.8 meters, height 1.8 meters. I mean, that's that's a that's a really good boxy load. Yeah, definitely. That's but in really terms good. of practicality, how does that compare with the PSA groups offering the Bilingo, the Partner, the Combo? Where does that put it? So the versions that we've seen, the version that we reviewed uh, of the Voxel Combo was a 1.7 meter load length, mm-hmm. and that was, I think, in the cargo configuration. Right. So it's not the longest of the of the ones available. I would imagine that it's you know you can add maybe sort of like at most maybe another meter. So there, there's it's probably going to be comparable, but actually it feels like the NV250 might be just a little bit longer in its okay. largest configuration. Okay. So depending on how you're going to use it, what you're going to put in there, it could be the better bet and i think that's what you were going to try and talk about today in the podcast and the fact that these there's so many of these small vans nowadays trying to decide between them is going to come down to personal preference it's it's what i would call a a not necessarily a diluted market but it's flooded you know okay so the psa group they've got their three small vans their new platforms all sharing the same um all sharing the same platform citroen Bolingo, the peugeot partner and the Vauxhall combo 
Voxel but, Combo at the moment is outstripping the rest of the PSA groups. But then you've got Ford's Transit Connect. Volkswagen's Caddy. Exactly. The Fiat Fiorino. The Doblo as well. From you've Fiat. got the Doblo, that's right. You've got um, the uh, the NV200, as it is at the moment. Mercedes. At the end of the year, you'll have the 250. Mercedes Citan. The, yeah, the Citan. Is that in the Mercedes Citan? Citan. Yeah, the Mercedes Citan. I quite like the idea of it. The Citan. The Citan. Well, you know. It depends on again. It depends on where you're you're buying one. I picked okay. myself up a Mercedes Titan. <laughs> there we go. The Fiat Double yeah. uh, You've got the Renault Kangoo. The new Fiesta van. New Fiesta Sport van. Very good one. Yeah. Um, you could also go for the Mitsubishi Outlander PHEV commercial yeah. version. And I mean, uh, the, even even Renault are in the the market with with the, the Twizy Cargo. If you want something <laughs> really small, <laughs> you know, how t- small do you want a small van to be? Uh, well, in the case of the Twizy, it's pretty damn small. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you put your laptop in there and off you go. Absolutely. And I think that's the point. Th- this whole podcast is not ne- necessarily meant to be pulling the marketplace apart and saying there's just so many, you know, you- you're never going to know what to choose from. Actually, I think more than ever, the differences between the different small vans are so minute that it's always now going to come down to brand, mm-hmm. who you trust and how much money you've got. I think, I mean, there's always going to be people who have affiliations with certain brands and certain products. Maybe if you've always had a combo. I mean, I said it last week. If you've always had a combo, you're probably going to be more keen to get a combo than a partner or a Berlingo just because you know the brand. And you're right. It's it's going to be the small differences that, that add up to, to make you make that purchase. So for me, I, I'm, you know, we, we discussed it last week. There are personal preferences on, on which of the PSA groups vans we prefer in terms of just how they look. People are going to feel that same way about certain other manufacturers or certain features that, that vans have got. The spec, we, you and I both know that if you're going to go for an, a new Nissan NV250, it's probably going to be slightly higher spec than an equivalent Ford or Vauxhall offering. Absolutely. Fiat Fiorino, again, is another great example of that at the uh, I think if you go on to vanorama.com the, the one that we're doing quite a lot of business on at the moment uh, I think it's it's either I can't remember what the trim level's called it's Technica or Tech Techna or something like that mm-hmm. at the uh, Tech Pack level or whatever it is at the trim level we're, we're doing it at you get sat nav as standard Whereas I think if you went for the base level of something like the Ford Transit Courier or Ford Transit Connect, you wouldn't necessarily get SatNav as a standard offering. You yeah. get the screen. So it's about it's about whether you want to be driving around in a Fiat or if you want to be driving around in a Ford. I mean, personally, if I was given the choice of any small van right now, I'd go for the Citroen Berlingo because I think it's superb. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a pretty looking thing as well. I mean, not that that really matters in the world of commercial vehicles. You're not necessarily buying it because of how it looks, but it, it does look a smart van. You know, when you turn up for a job, it's going to it's gonna impress the clients. Absolutely, but it's funny you say that, though. I've noticed that there's a lot of figures uh, that suggest that um, while white is still the favoured colour, I mean, this is out of our sales figures, white yeah. is still the favoured colour, other colours are beginning to become more prevalent. So you're getting nice, like, petrol blues, um, kind of metallic paint jobs as well. Some of them are coming out as, you know, there's there's a lot of people um, leasing uh, burnt orange, uh, uh, you know, vehicles. Nice, um, nice. And I think, actually, you know, fashion is... Fashion and making a bit of a statement on the site is actually becoming more of a thing. People are personalised. They're not just going for white because that's what they can get. Well, I'll go back to the Fiesta Sport van for a second because we saw one of those the other day. It was, it was in the car park, somebody yep. brought it in. And I thought... You know, from a styling point of view, if you if you have a small business where you don't have to carry a, a massive load, if you're an electrician or whatever, if you got that in a really cool color, if you got it in that electric blue color that Ford do, or like you say, a burnt orange, I don't think Ford offers that, but you know, you get it wrapped if you really wanted to. Yeah, 
it's it's the sort of vehicle that really will stand out as a as a van. It's a really cool looking thing. Obviously, when you lease a van, you're not necessarily thinking about just how it looks. It's got to do its job. But for me, it it looked awesome. It really did. And that's that's going to be something that steers the market in quite a few different directions these days. These trends are going to be what people decide to make their next purchase on. Absolutely. I mean, the Fiesta Sport van, it's, it's one of those funny things that the concept in my head just doesn't work. It's like it's a very small vehicle, basically a car that has just had its back seats removed and the sort of boot space leveled off and carried on right up to the back of the front seats. That's all it is, but it's very cool. Like yeah. you know, we, we got we opened up the boot. We had a look inside. It was quite funny to get in and realize that we could you know we could get in there. We could shut the door and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's it's nice. I think you know an electrician, a courier, maybe a florist or something like that. Just making short little runs backwards and forwards. You know, get it on a lease. I mean, it's great. You look really cool. And vinyl wrapping, why not? Vinyl wrapping doesn't, you know, cause you any problems on a lease because it can easily be removed, doesn't mm-hmm. damage the paintwork, and allows you that sort of extra level of personalization that a small van, actually, they look more like you're offering a personal service. If you turn yeah. up in a small van, it's like, I bought exactly what I need to do your job. You know what it is for me, that, that sort of van? It represents somebody who maybe is they're branching out or they're, they're doing something for the first time. Maybe you've had a business for a few years and you're offering a new service where you don't need to carry a huge amount of timber or a huge amount of piping or whatever. Maybe you, you've, you've kind of just hired an electrician and you want to diversify. Or if you've never actually owned a van before, because it drives so car-like because essentially it is a car, it's not going to be intimidating for those people who maybe are a little bit fearful about going out and buying a, a, Ford, a Ford Transit Custom. They just they they just want a car like the driving experience. It, for me, that would be a great choice. I've never actually had a job where I've needed to drive a van every single day. And sometimes when you're leaping into something as big as a, a Sprinter or whatever, it can be a little bit daunting. Something that small, that agile, that carries just what you need it to. Great choice. And I think that's the that's why small vans are getting so popular because people are realizing rather than driving something around that's so big that's kind of difficult to park from time to time. They just need something small that does the job. Absolutely. And they're so flexible these days. You know, just going down that list that we sort of, you know, it was almost like an inventory list of everything Mm -hmm. you could possibly spend your money on uh, in the small van sector. There's so many different ranges, sizes, body types. Again, the differences between a manufacturer to manufacturer between their small van offering from a size point of view and features point of view is not going to be massive. No. But you are going to find that certain ones have certain quirks that are that are something that you prefer. You might prefer the fact that in the Citroen Berlingo, when you drop the seat, the back of the seat is lined with metal to protect the back of your upholstery. You might like the fact that in the Fiat Fiorino, there's no bulkhead. It's just a cargo net. You know, you might like the fact that it's going to come down to the little tweaks, and again, I say it, budget, Mm -hmm. that's going to be the big deciding factor. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm not coming out with some great, you know, sort of renaissance argument that it's all about budget. And people go, oh, my goodness, it is about budget. Of course, it's about budget. Yeah. These are business vehicles. So can I ask you, then, with, with this many small vans flooding onto the market, do you think it's, it's a trend that's similar to, say, mobile phones in the late 90s and early noughties, where everything got a bit smaller and everyone was trying to go for that compact look? Is it going to come back around in a few years' time where everyone just wants something absolutely gigantic we're all going to be driving around in HGVs? It's a really good question. It's a really good question. And um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'd like to say that you can see these cycles coming. The Ford Transit Custom is the best-selling vehicle. If you put cars and light commercial vehicles together as a sales category, 
I think the Ford Transit Custom would be third on the list of best-selling vehicles wow. in general. Yeah. I think trends come and go. The yeah. Ford Transit Custom at the moment is riding a wave that's been riding for what feels like years. It is outstripping everything. But following right behind it is a gigantic van, the Ford Transit. Yeah. Following right behind that is the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, another gigantic van. And then right behind that are small vans. Boom, boom, right. boom, 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 boom. So we can kind of guess from that that medium vans are where people are, you know, tradespeople are in their main going. And then underneath it, you've got the smaller vans being picked up by trades. Again, some of it's going to be fleet offering. I used to have uh, one of the really tiny weeny uh, Samsung little clamshell phones that was absolutely tiny. And now I have one of the bigger smartphones with a nice big screen. And I think the same is is probably true of vans as well but if you just look at registration figures you can see you can see the trends and buying habits are constantly shifting and changing yeah. one month you'll you'll find that in the middle of the top 10 list you've got a, a a pickup truck suddenly loads of people are buying pickup trucks then this you know the last couple of months you'll see that the three psa group vans the small vans are all being registered loads of them are being uh, registered to be sold at the top of the pile you've always got the medium van but you've always also got right after it a large van it's going to go in shifts and yeah, peaks it, and troughs. In the main, fleet providers and buyers will go for medium and large vans and maybe some small vans. So you can kind of guess that trends come and go. Okay, so with that said and done then, what do you think about the, the implication that the low emission zones in London have had on the, the sort of popularity of smaller vans and smaller engines, more efficient engines? Do you think that's something that a lot of fleet managers especially around the London area, have been considering? Or again, is that just a, a thing that if you're going to buy a big van, you're always just going to buy a big van no matter what the engine is and you're going to just take the charges as they come? Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, that's probably what's motivating Citroen and Peugeot to release electric large vans. Um, and it's also probably what's uh, been behind Volkswagen's thinking of the e-caddy in electric form, the transporter in electric form, and the crafter in electric form. I think ULEZ has given everyone I think as I think ULES has given manufacturers let's not you know beat around the bush a case of the willies really it's like suddenly uh-oh their diesel formats are not looking quite so attractive because you know if someone leases them or even buys them they're going to hold on to them for a while mm -hmm. they like them so they've they the manufacturers now have an the manufacturers now have an onus on their shoulders to make sure that their vehicles remain efficient and environmentally friendlier than yeah. they were before Ford I have to say are very good at this their eco blue 2 liter engine which they are sticking into everything. I mean, even the Ford Ranger Raptor has the EcoBlue 2 litre, admittedly a highly tuned version of it, a bi-turbo version, actually. It's a very good engine. It's very efficient. It returns very little in the way of CO2 emissions compared to other vehicles, uh, compared to other engines. I think Ford as well at the CV show unveiled their um, PHEV versions yep. of all their vehicles. Bigger manufacturers are going to have an easier time adjusting to ULEZ and they're going to be springing up all over the UK. Yep. So potentially we are just on the cusp of a trend of a lot of PHEV formats being registered. The bigger manufacturers I think have an easier time with keeping up with these yeah. eco trends. Any development that a smaller manufacturer does is going to come at significant cost. Mm. But I think from what you're saying, you can see a trend coming where there's going to be more electric vehicles, there's going to be more plug-in hybrids. E economy is something that manufacturers are going to be chasing because it's so important these days, whether it's a small van, whether it's a large van, or even just a, a passenger car, whether it's you know a personal vehicle. We are all a little bit more sort of conscious about the impact we're making on the world, even if it's just something that's coming from the motivation of trying to be as, as efficient with your pennies as possible. The Vauxhall Combo is a case in point. The engine that was actually in the one that we reviewed, 
I think it was quoted as 20% less carbon emissions than the previous version's engine. I think that's that's incredible. Yeah, that agree. shows what they're trying to do. They're trying to make vehicles lighter and engines more efficient so that we're not going to harm the atmosphere. Everyone is gearing up for you, Les. Mm. 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 I still don't think I would go around in a Twizy Cargo, though, because I know that is ULES compliant, but, uh, yeah, just a bit too small. Let's just have a look at this. So it, no podcast is ever a podcast unless there's a little bit of live Googling. Let's have a look here. <laughs> I mean, it is tiny. Do you know what? The, the, the thing is, I see it and I think bubble car. Do you know though? I've I've driven a Twizy. I've driven a Twizy a couple of times, and they are quite fun. You do feel quite vulnerable though, because it's so small and it's so light, and there's no crash protection. And essentially, you're driving a four-wheeled moped. Um, I was going to say the electric model, in fact, is classed as a quadricycle. Yeah, it, it's it's not a car. No, um, it's, they only do it in electric as well, so you can't get it. It is purely electric, which does give it that instant torque, and it does make it feel quite responsive to a point. I wouldn't want one as my sole vehicle. Certainly not. No, 180 litre capacity in the back, theoretical range of 56 miles on a full yeah, charge. It's, it's, it's not the solution that everyone's looking for. No offence, but if a if an electrician showed up to do a job at my house in a Twizy, I would think, oh, nice touch, because it's an electric vehicle, but I would also be slightly like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, You know, though, I think maybe if if you were a... But in the eco-future, actually. Yeah. Maybe if you're we're a, all going to be driving Twizzies. Maybe if you're a courier that lives in Manchester where it's always raining, and I can say that as a mank, it always yeah. rains there, maybe that would be a good solution. You don't want to be on a moped all day. Oh, are you from Manchester? I had, I have you know. never guessed that? No, I've never, 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 never no, guessed that. No. I'll, uh, I'll only allude to it a few more times in the following podcasts. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to listen to my podcast all about Manchester, uh, it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's called Manchester Rama by Grant Bradley. Yeah, <laughs> um, but there we are. So no, I can I can see a use case for it, but I just think that it's it possibly not the most practical commercial vehicle. Okay, so let's go for something that Auto Express, for instance, have put on their top ten list of vehicles: the Mitsubishi Outlander PHEV commercial. It looks almost halfway between a van and halfway between a pickup. It's not a pickup with the open load bay. It's not a van with the closed bulkhead. It's a commer- It's basically a 4 by 4 vehicle yeah. that just has a little bit of room for you, a little bit of room for your crew, and a little bit of room for cargo. I can see that. But uh, the question I would ask then is, if you, if you want that, if you want the seats in the back and you want a bit of space, why would you not just buy the normal Outlander? Uh, don't get me wrong. I think the Outlander and the, the commercial version of it are both really great vehicles. Again, driven the Outlander PHEV in, in its car format. I think it drives nicely. It's quite economical and actually surprisingly well-made and, and yep. equipped. But if it's essentially the same vehicle without really that many cosmetic changes, they've just sort of blanked off the rear windows, why? B-I-K. That's true. <laughs> yep. Boom. Mic Boom. drop. Done. <laughs> and with that, I'll leave. No, it's, I'll it's, stay. It, I mean, essentially, it does come down to BIK. I mean, it's, you know, the the recent version of it has now got a much more powerful 2.4 litre mm-hmm. engine. There's much more kit on board. But of course, this is the point. The big difference is that the back seat's completely removed. So it's basically like, imagine the Fiesta Sport van with its yeah, left yeah. back just a little bit bigger. Well, actually quite a bit bigger. Um, and as you said, it's quite nice and economical. I like the, uh, in fact, actually on the YouTube channel, I, I reviewed one of these a, a long time ago, uh, Mitsubishi Outlander. Uh, what what do they, they either called them the PHEV or, or loads of people at the time are calling it the FEV. Which yeah, I always think is a out- bit, and it does sound a little bit, a little bit off. Yes, have the you considered new Mitsubishi Fev? Have you considered our Fevs? I, I'm sorry, I, I, did you sneeze then? Or <laughs> did, you know, what was going yeah, on? I, I, but it, then, if you have to call it a PHEV every time, if it's the sort of vehicle you park and you drive, and 
I like your new Mitsubishi. Yeah, it's a PHEV. What's a PHEV? Well, it's a plug-in <laughs> hybrid, hybrid electric, electric vehicle. vehicle. What's that? It's a FEV. It's a FEV. Basically, you can plug it in and you can charge it. It's got. Um, I, I like how it dynamically shifts between electric and seamless. Uh, yeah, it's quite seamlessly. Seamless. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can actually default manually to electric motors if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like the fact that um, if you're going sort of under thirty miles an hour, it just tends to go yeah, electric power. You've got yeah. twenty miles of it. Go for it. Um, I mean, that's the issue though with any PHEV is that. Sorry, any what? Uh, FEV. Okay. It, that's the problem with any FEV. You've got to rely on the vehicle to kind of make intelligent choices. And whether it is or isn't making them, you still benefit from the PAI. BI. <laughs> and even if it is or isn't doing what it should be doing on an intelligent basis, you still get all the BIK benefits. Yeah. From a FEV. FEV. Very nice. Um, so, for me, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why you would go for a FEV. FEV. But again, with the innovations that certain manufacturers have made with their engine technology, without relying on plug-in hybrid technology, without relying on electric motors, it's it's an additional expense because it's always going to be more expensive buying a hybrid or an electric vehicle than buying. Well, not always. I'll rephrase. It's not always going to be more expensive to buy a plug-in hybrid or an electric vehicle, but at the moment there is a there is a cost implication in doing that. At some point, it's going to happen where the market will shift, and electric vehicles are going to be the standard. I can see that happening. I think there's a bit of an issue at the moment for commercial drivers and the fact that the range isn't there and the recharge times aren't there. But you can definitely see it where small, affordable, long-range, quick-charging electric vehicles are going to be extremely popular. The upfront cost of electric vehicles is what stops people probably from taking them on at the moment. In 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 you know, in terms of where we're at, it's nineteen eighty two and the video players just come out. Absolutely. That's it. And it's warring with Betamax on yeah. in a format war. For me, diesel technology is a bridging technology between petrol and electric. Plug-in hybrids, I don't think, are necessarily the right sort of bridging tech. Diesel engines at the Euro 6 and Euro 6 um, and the the other iterations of Euro 6 standard are much cleaner than their petrol equivalents in the main. The cost to upgrade to electric upfront is much more prohibitive, which is why I see leasing as the bridging Definitely. As the way of, you know, moving from conventionally buying your stuff to eventually being part of the eco-future. Exactly. You, want you don't have to eat, lease it. Yeah, you don't have to eat that cost all in one go. Absolutely not. And yeah. to, to be quite honest, that's the point. You know, if you want to be an early adopter, finance is the way to go. And that is the last thing I'll say on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> smoothly done. Smoothly Tom. done. But that's the thing. I always like to say that, you know, diesel is the bridging tech. Leasing is the is the enabler of that bridging technology. I think, you know, um, once people start, uh, once uh, manufacturers start producing electric vehicles that have ranges that, you know, don't freak them out, um, that are also stopping them from taking on electric vehicles, the world will be a cleaner, greener place. Yeah, simply that. It's and the same with cars. I mean, like, the way I look at it, we is almost need a harp effect there. Yeah, sort of like we're imagining the greener future, <laughs> a world where all cars are plugged in, oh, left. Absolutely, all commercial vehicles are whizzing around silently. Amazing. Did you see that news report recently that said something like, um, if you've got a, a if you've got an electric vehicle charger outside your house that is attached to a mains plug, you're actually damaging your house's uh, electric. Uh, electrical infrastructure. I haven't heard this. And I, I read through the article. I could not find one bit of explanation as to why. why? It was yeah. just they said, "Oh, it will damage." Don't it. do that. It's like, well, why? And they're like, "No, oh, well, just, just don't worry about it's, it. Just don't do it." It's and the I'm equivalent like, of because I said so. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I might have read it in the Daily Mail. Uh oh. Yeah. 
Not that we're saying anything negative about the Daily Mail. Please don't sue us. Um, <laughs> but other news sources are available. Absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> if you have any queries, please send them to tom.roberts at vanarama.co.uk. <laughs> For me, I'd love to have an electric vehicle. I'm very, very sort of fanatical about the Tesla and even some of the, the lower-priced electric vehicles, electric cars, especially like the... I, I'm one of the few people who likes the look of the new Nissan Leaf. Um, I think it's quite a nice-looking car. And how is it uh, on top of that mountain? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just, it's very lonely up here. Yeah. Um, but no, the problem I've got is I've nowhere to charge it, and I do long-distance drives from time to time. I go back up to Manchester, which is where I'm from, by the way. You may not have heard that. Um, really? That's strange. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. And I'd be constantly anxious about making that drive and getting there with a few miles left in the tank. Well, not even in the tank, because there isn't one. It's electric. <laughs> yeah. It's just a euphemism. It's a euphemism. It's a euphemism. Um, great. You know, I'm actually looking through uh, some of these entries on, on Auto Express. Goodness me. I'm just looking down here. There's some information on the Doblo. So for people who didn't know about the Fiat Doblo, it used to share the same platform as the Vauxhall Combo. Now Vauxhall is part of the PSA group. That's not the case anymore. And actually, the Doblo... Is is as people are describing it, soldiering on alone. It's a very nice small Fiat. You know, partner it up with the Fiorino, and you've basically got a choice of: do you want a slightly larger small van, or do you want a slightly smaller van? Um, I just quite like the Doblo now. I've never really stood and looked at pictures of it, and and kind of thought, you know, I can see myself. You know, what would I feel like driving that sort of thing? I actually quite like it. It looks like a Ford Transit Connect. Can I ask a question? And, and you may not. I'm just jumping around. No, here. I know we're all just jumping around. Yeah. It's, it's it's like it's like listening to us. But uh, no no way to finish that sentence. <laughs> no, don't worry about. It. I'll probably just edit that yeah. bit out anyway. I was going to say. Can, can I ask you a question? And and I don't know if you'll agree with this, but it's something I've I've thought about since it came onto the market in okay, 2007. No, nothing personal. When the Fiat 500 launched, yes. why didn't they just square off the back and make it into a really cute van? Something that is going to be really fashionable and you know, those, those trendy places and city centres, they would have gone all over that. It, it, the way I can think about it is the, the Nissan S-Cargo that was never available in the UK. That was designed to be as funky as possible for the early 90s. The Fiat 500 came out. Why did they not go for that? Do you know what? I honestly don't know why they didn't. I can I can see it. Because Mini, Mini it. tried it for a little while. They, they did. They did wasn't a massive sales success but i would hazard a guess that it was because they took one look at the small van marketplace they saw the fiesta sport van and thought to themselves it's not selling as well as ford anticipated Mm. if we get involved right now we probably are going to suffer even worse because you know we're not ford we're fiat i don't know on the continent however I mean, I can't That's speak for the UK on the continent. Yeah, in, you know, Parisian streets in Rome, you know, those sorts of places, really tight, tight street cities. Something dinky-doo like that would be really nice. Fiat, we, if we, you're listening... Give me uh, a call. Yeah, we're going to tag you in on this anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the best reasons to um, to do a podcast about a entire sector is that you get to tag in all the manufacturers and let them hear what you think about their vans. Okay. Well, then, in that case, uh, you you missed the boat, Fiat. But I, it's not too late. No. Get on that wagon. I mean, look, Grant and I will take some kind of, you know, recompense. I don't know. You know oh, the, yeah, the developmental fee will obviously be quite considerable. Absolutely. But we'll deal with all those. Yeah, uh, we'll deal with the technicalities. It's, it's fine. Later. Don't worry about no, it. will be fine. Moving on. By the time this goes out, our new viral video has launched the... Uh, well, I don't want to give away the ending if you haven't already seen it, but it, it is pretty pretty far gone. It's another example of how you, you're not really sure how a used van has been used. 
obviously our whole market here is talking about new vans the latest technology and the way to make it affordable as well have you tom any experiences of interesting moments in vans that you would be willing to share used vans used vans yeah so i borrowed a van from a uh, from a mate of mine and to move some stuff around and he's a van driver he's a tradesperson you know the front of the cabin looked great you know it was just like he's like oh no, don't worry about giving it a hoover out you know you'd be fine just shove whatever you want to in the back i opened up the back to just to check what kind of space i was dealing with and in the middle of the of the wooden floor of the van that he'd given me was a stain the likes of which i couldn't even describe <laughs> to you what it was it and it was kind of it was kind of encrusted it looked like oh. it bubbled it didn't look like paint it looked like it looked like something organic had exploded in the back and wow. had sort of festered and kind of you know it's the sort like, of stain you can't really ask a question about either can you, you yeah can't, how did that get there so i rang him up and i was like mate what's this stain in the back <laughs> and he was like what do you mean I, you know which one and i was like the big one and he's like oh yeah no don't, don't worry about that it's fine you know it, it won't come off trust me i'll put so much stuff on there it's not going to come <laughs> off I, I i honestly i kept talking to him he would not tell me what it was it was mm-hmm. just it was just like oh, i shouldn't really tell you about it my guess is that it was some kind of weird sort of bitumen based kind of tarry something that had sort of leaked and uh, i think you're being very polite there considering it as being that and not organic it was disgusting yeah. it was absolutely horrible i didn't i didn't want to move anything around in it i had to in the end i had to just use it but it was gross so it wouldn't even chip you know when you like brush something heavy against something yeah, like that you think it's going to chip off it no. didn't it didn't go anywhere so i i hired a van not that long ago from a, a well-known national chain who i won't name here for legal purposes and it Again, it looked pretty clean on the inside, and actually the back of it was pretty well taken care of as well. The issue I had was um, I was giving somebody a lift in the van because we were moving their furniture. And I did the thing I sometimes do when I'm like, oh, you can sit here, and I tap the seat. And all I can explain it as is is sort of like an an atom cloud (laughs) rose from the seat cushions of dust and other... I mean, you don't have to imagine what people have been doing into the seats of a hired van but it was it was just vile this sort of grey cloud erupted from the seats and I thought well this van's only six months old how has that happened how how much has been put into those seats it's, it was it was really really revolting I mean look, let's use a euphemism for it it's people leaving their leftovers yeah it's <laughs> it's making their mark yes absolutely oh that's horrendous a guff cloud a just, guff cloud yeah disgusting actually that reminds me of uh, a loan vehicle that I, I took out so this this wasn't actually a but it was a an example of used vehicles and people the habits that people have I went around to have a look at a vehicle uh, that someone was selling privately and I was having a quick look at it of course I don't I didn't I didn't buy it I lease that's you what lease. I do of course you do um, so I was having a look inside and they said oh yeah check out all the storage don't worry about it so I just sort of had a look down the side you know looked in the glove box and things like that and there was like kind of a little storage bay in the middle of the center console put my hand into it and my hand met resistance in the shape of a very hard sticky object and i pulled my hand out and original it was it was a string oh, was still attached no. to my finger and i was like i think there's a boiled sweet yeah stuck in the bottom down there i've just pulled it out and I, you know and honestly the guy went, literally just went yeah it didn't say anything Nothing, beyond that. And, you know, didn't Not even sorry. say, do you want a wet wipe? Do you yeah. want to wash your hands or anything? So I, 
So I just reached down <laughs> to I've the side of the seat and just kind of wiped my hands. You know, uh-huh. so I did something disgusting as well. I wiped it on the seat, transferred it. People do grim things in their do. cars. Of course they do. I mean, your your passenger seat is the biggest Kleenex you'll ever you'll ever own. <laughs> um, oh God, that's disgusting. <laughs> but the <laughs> the point I'm making is I've I've owned quite a few used vehicles over the years, and yeah. I bought from auction, and I've, I've you know bought online and. Yeah, you do pick up people's leftovers from empty bottles of pop right through to fuzzy boiled sweets hidden underneath the passenger seat or some other mysterious stains in the back of a friend's van. And and that's the thing, like the whole campaign that we're running at the moment, which is you, you never know how a used van's been used. Yeah. We're, we're really trying to tap into that and demonstrate the reality of it. And obviously we've gone a bit far, we've gone a bit extreme with it, but you know, the reality is there that you can buy something that on the surface looks fine, but it's actually really grim. Yeah, and the and do you know the irony is we say you never know how a used van has been used. But you know. You know. Yeah. I mean that's the whole point. You do know. Yeah. I mean look, we all we all know the stories. If you know tradespeople, half of the places they work on are developments, housing developments. Not all of them have working plumbing. Not all of them have a portaloo on yeah. site. What do you think happens in the back of the van? I, I really don't want to think about how that stain in your friend's van got there. So, you never know how a used van has been used, but you sort of do. Kind and that's, sort of do. And that, and yet we still make do. People yeah. still make do despite knowing what people get up to. If you do something disgusting in your vehicle, the chances are that most other people have done it or too. someone's doing something worse somewhere else, definitely. So, why make do when you can lease brand new? And I was a, I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. <laughs> that is a very nice way to round up um, what has been a very enjoyable podcast. We, we may not have come to any massive conclusion on why 2019 seems to be a year filled with small vans and what you should do when you're looking. All I would say is make sure you know what your budget is. Make sure you know what your favourite brand is. Start there, but don't be afraid to look around. And if you want some inspiration, head to vanorama.com because we can help you out. If you want to pick up the phone, we can help you out as well. We might be able to recommend you a few things. Check out our social feeds. It's always full of awesome pictures of vans. And with that, Grant, is there anything to add? No, I think you've covered it all off. Then let's cue the music. Thanks for listening to the Load Space podcast featuring Tom Roberts and Grant Bradley. If you'd like any help finding your brand new van, head to vanorama.com. Don't forget to head to SoundCloud, Spotify or iTunes and subscribe for more Load Space podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more news, views and reviews.